Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. We absolutely love giving you the show every single day, Monday through Friday, for free. But uh, it's not free to produce. And if you'd like to keep the show on the air, we ask for your support and become an EPP. When you become an EPP, you get more than 23 bonus episodes of the show to listen to. These are exclusive episodes that are only available to our EPPs with some of the best stories we've ever gotten on them. Please help keep Real Ghost Stories online on the air. And become an EPP today, an extra podcast person, on the website realghoststoriesonline.com. It's only five bucks a month. You get all the extras and the knowledge that you're keeping this show going. Please, and thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your Real Ghost Story now at 855 853 4802 or writing at com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Tonight, could the victim of a campus murder be roaming the halls of a Texas university? A nurse gets a chance to know the appreciation felt by a patient who is unable to communicate in this world. And would you move to the opposite end of the country to live with a friend if you knew her house was haunted? Those stories, your calls, and more tonight on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I just had a chance to uh, check out the uh, the trailer for the new Poltergeist movie. Have really? you Have you seen it yet? No. It, uh, it's not uh, Craig T. Nelson in there. Okay. Um, I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah. It looks, um, it looks like it could be interesting. It looks a little more um, done up, if you will, than the original. And I, it's been a long time since I've seen the original, but uh-huh. I, I don't recall there being a lot of... Do you remember much of the original? Did you ever see the original? I saw parts. Okay. Uh... I don't recall there being a lot of, like, the little girl flying around the house or being whipped around the house. Or was there a lot of that in there? I mean, I, I, I don't... The parts I saw, no, but, okay. I mean, there may be a lot of that movie that I didn't see. Just watching the previews, I'm like, this doesn't really look like the old poltergeist to me. And I know, like, I heard the other day someone said to us um, that uh, a lot of the, the original plot line is being used and such, and I see, you know, technology is very different now. You can do a lot more than mm-hmm. you could back in 1970, whatever, when they made it. Um, but, uh, I don't know, it's... I guess I like a little more psychological thriller okay. in my horror mm-hmm. than I do... Super duper special effects. Okay. And I shouldn't judge it till I see it, but I just looking at the trailer, I'm like, this thing looks like it's loaded with a lot of cinematronic special effects and, and such where you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's what I really liked about The Conjuring is mm-hmm. there wasn't a whole lot of that. You could just, you could get freaked out. It was a great horror movie for a, a modern day horror movie um, without, you know, tons of that in there. It had its it had its pieces, mm-hmm. and a good piece now here and there is good. It's just when that's like everything, it's like yeah, okay, okay. Just my thoughts. I will see it at some point, but but aren't we gonna always be partial to the originals, like the original Amityville and the original <clears throat> yeah. Poltergeist? Well, I like the remake of Am- Amityville better than the original. Really? Yeah, I thought the uh, the remake was done really the 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 Amityville horror circa two thousand. Uh, four the or, Ryan Reynolds the one. Ryan Reynolds one mm-hmm. yeah that one okay. uh, not the 
two, three, four bad versions that came out after. But that one, uh, although it, it didn't really stay true to the real storyline, but I thought it was done really well. Sure. Uh, creepy as hell movie, but not on par with reality. Um, I just thought the original Amityville was almost a little too hokey for me i mean I, even though it was a little bit more based on the true story uh-huh. i thought it was just a little bit too i don't know it was too much with too little effects that they had for their day okay does that make sense uh-huh. where they tried to make things be a little bit too high tech and amazing on screen and it just came across as oh it's like claymation okay. <laughs> you know it's like like this doesn't look that creepy it's not believable exactly yeah that's how i felt whereas like the original poltergeist and um what was the other one that was out around that time exorcist okay um those two they didn't go beyond the bounds of what they could do well Uh technologically they kind of kept it within the reins and they pulled it off pretty good sure original amityville yeah they tried to go a little bit too far Okay. So just just my my <laughs> rantings on horror movies. Okay. Uh, our number is 855-853-4802 if you'd like to call into Real Ghost Stories online and share your real ghost story with us. We would absolutely love to hear it. Of course, you can also write it on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Let's kick off the uh, show today uh with a uh, letter actually. We're going to go to uh, a letter tonight uh, from Blaze. Blaze writes in, "Hey y'all, my name's Blaze." I've only started listening to your podcast for about a week now and love it. Been looking for something like this for some time now. Could it be that the kind spirits have guided me in your direction? Just kidding. I don't know. I don't know. When I walked by the office here earlier, the door opened by itself. The door opens if you breathe on it. I know. It's really... (laughs) It's not latching correctly right now. (laughs) My favorite is when the dog runs by, hits the door, and then runs off. Mm Mm-hmm. The dog has an attitude. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So the story which I'm uh, going to tell you is one that almost seems like something out of a movie. Seems uh, like more people in my college town of Lubbock, Texas, would have heard of this story uh, or heard of the history behind my story. But surprisingly, I uh, dug the historic details surrounding my personal experience myself. While I uh, was an undergraduate at Texas Tech University, I was a good student, which means spending time at the library, the quite creepy, the library, or as it is known on campus, the stacks, will not be the setting where I had my experience with the spirit world. It is called the stacks because of the way it looks, like each floor is literally stacked upon one another, shooting four or five stories into the sky. The lights uh, turn on with motion sensors, thus, when walking alone into one of the higher floors late at night when you're alone, can be unsettling. But I'd like to address what happened upon leaving the library. I had to walk all the way from the library to the north side of the campus, as that is where I had parked my pickup, next to the building at which I was a tutor. As I was walking past the chemistry building, I was disturbed to see what I thought was the janitor in the third-story window looking down upon me. At first, I just thought I could ignore it, and I would walk on by. I thought, what a creep. Something made me look back up at the window, and I realized something. Something that disturbed me deeply. I've never been a person to totally buy into the paranormal, though my extended family has passed down a few stories, stories I may share later. This janitor was the figure of a woman which looked just uh, looked looked like just that a figure of a human not uh, not a human huh 
which looked just like that, a figure of a human, not a human. But not a human. But not a human? Yeah. Okay, so kind of human-like, but not quite human-like? <laughs> okay, I get. I kind of get where they're going with it. Okay. I kind of get where it's... You, you look at it and you're like, oh, that's a person. Wait a second. I yeah. get it. Just kind of, you know... It's almost kind of like what we saw when we were in West Bend. Yeah. When we were looking in that window and we saw that, that outline of a figure. It's like, oh, it's a person. No, wait a second. Okay. The way she stood there looking down nearly petrified me. She wasn't even breathing and she wasn't moving, though she seemed to be afloat, weightless and dark. Finally, after which seemed to be several minutes, the figure literally evaporated before my eyes. Mind you, this was a very distinct apparition of a woman. There was nothing vague about this figure that had just disappeared. After she disappeared and I was able to break my gaze, I shook myself and decided to literally run to my car. From then on, if I had to study at night, I tried to do it off campus. And if I was on campus, I'd walk a different route back to my pickup. This is where it gets interesting. Being a tutor, I had access to other students and their experiences in the classroom. My focus was economics, so I never had any classes in the chemistry building. However, I did tutor a few students who took classes in the building. I shared my experience with a couple of students independent of each other. It turns out there was a common case of the creeps regarding one wing of the chemistry building. Most namely, the third floor. Strange things happened up there. It was a common thread. Nothing else, really. I decided to do a little research, and what I found sent a chill all the way up my spine and made me shudder. The story goes something like this. There was a student at Texas Tech University sometime in the late 60s, maybe 1970, who was taking a class in the old biology building. It was later changed to the chemistry building, which I have already referenced throughout my email. Evidently, he had procured a key to his professor's office and decided he wanted the answers to an upcoming test. Seeing as this took place in the biology building, it's only fitting that he came into possession of a scalpel and proceeded into his professor's office. He had been rummaging through his professor's desk rigorously when something happened that he did not expect. The janitor in that building, a lady, the lady that was looking at me from the third story window, I believe, caught him looking for the answers. He proceeded to attack her with a scalpel, scalpel and not only slit her throat, but sliced it wide open and left her to bleed out while he ran away and stayed on the run for a few days. I believe they caught him somewhere near Dallas and brought him back for trial where he was found guilty. It is said if you know who to ask around here that the janitor still haunts the halls and classrooms of what is now the chemistry building at Texas Tech University. I grew up in Lubbock and never heard a word about this, which is just amazing to me because it sounds like a story that would make the rounds. I hope I wasn't too long-winded. I have attached some of my research below, and please feel free to look into it yourselves. Thanks, guys. You're the best. Here's a link regarding the trial of the student who, was, who murdered the custodian. And there's a link there just to kind of prove that this thing is real. Did you follow it? Oh, yeah. You know me. I do my research. Okay. Okay. So in 1967, Benjamin Locke did exactly that. Broke into his professor's office and took a scalpel and almost nearly decapitated 54-year-old Sarah Alice Morgan, who was the janitor on duty there. And That's the, quite a reaction to someone catching you cheating. Yeah, and, and the thing is, he didn't just like slash at her and cut her throat. I mean, he like almost took her head off, but... My God! 
anyway, the chemistry building at Texas Tech is on the list of the top 10 haunted places within Texas, which is quite a, I guess, accomplishment for lack of better terms. Considering but, the geographic yeah, place. Yeah. So, um, and there are other souls that haunt that campus or and that's building specifically. Okay. Wow. According to some of the things I read, there was a student that um, leapt to his death from that building when it was still a biology building. And there's just a really dark history about that specific building, that it was named specifically on that list of haunted places. That's strange that there's that much just with that specific building. I mean, there's, I mean, there's a lot of buildings on that campus. Why are these dark occurrences all happening in the one geographic spot. I don't know. It makes you wonder if um, there's something dark within the building that's making these people do things they wouldn't normally do. Almost like intoxicating them to a mm-hmm. sense and and taking, I don't want to say possession because that's pretty strong, but changing judgment. Right. I mean, because there's a whole difference between killing somebody and, and then literally trying to cut their head yeah, off. Like running away with the scalpel, like, yeah. stay away from me, don't, you know, and then running. Right. But you sit there and slash the head. Yeah, it's a little, little bit different. They might look at that slightly different in court. Yeah. Wow. Very interesting. I'm glad that he provided the link because I I'd never heard of that story before. And it just it proves that it is a real thing that happened and not just an urban legend. You know, because we get a lot of that where it's like rumor has it. Yeah. You know? And, you know, there's a lot of times we get stories that it's a rumor has it or an urban legend. And I will spend, you know, five to ten minutes looking to see if I find anything. And if I find something, then I dig further. If sure. I don't, then I have to move on. Yeah. Um, so it's really nice if you have a story and it's associated with an event. that Source it. Yeah. If you can yeah. source it, not not because we fact check, but we just like to find out more. Yeah, just that, okay, this existed, and that's really about it. You know, I don't need, like, every detail sourced. Just, oh, okay, this happened, and here's, uh, you know, a link to an article about it, you know, outside of your letter. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) If you will. So, interesting stuff. Thanks for running in and sharing that with us. Our number is 855-853-4802. If you've not already done so, whatever platform it is you are listening to our show on, and there's a lot of them out there these days, uh, make sure you press the subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes of the show. Get them all sent directly to your device. It's right there for you. You don't have to search us every single time. And uh, in case you're a new listener to the show, the way it works is we do five free episodes a week for you, Monday through Friday. And then there's that bonus one that goes out over the weekend with some of the best stories that we get into the week. That's our EPP bonus episode. That goes out if you're a subscriber and an EPP, an extra podcast person. Our EPPs uh, pay five bucks a month to get the extra podcast and access to all the the, uh, past EPP episodes, which is uh, now at about 26 episodes, uh, and that brand new episode every single week. It helps keep our show on the air by keeping it financially funded to function, uh, and uh, then you get all the extras. So it's a nice little thank you. It's not just, hey, please donate, and here's our free stuff. It's, hey, please donate, here's our free stuff, and a whole bunch extra. There's a video out there, too. We have that fun little uh, uh, Spirits in the Air documentary, and we're working on some new ones, too. We are. So uh, you can check that out. I get that a lot. Like, what do you guys look like? Well, <laughs> we have faces for radio. Yeah. We'll just leave it at that. Oh, no, we I think we're a little better than <laughs> I've worked with some gnomes. OK, all right. 
Um, but uh, if, if you're that curious, uh, you can actually see us in our uh, documentary feature that we put up on for EPPs exclusively called Spirits in the Air. It's about uh, the haunted Wichita, uh, former Wichita airport. Uh, and uh, it's crazy, the stuff and the people who went to that place. You can watch the full thing. It's a about a 30-minute episode uh, if you're an EPP that goes out in that email. When you sign up at realghoststoriesonline.com. Mike writes in, I am a nurse, and at the time of this story, I had been working on a uh, pulmonary medical unit in a large hospital for a little over a year. On the floor that I worked on, we had what uh, we call a comfort care room, where we would take care of patients and families of patients that were nearing the end of their lives. This room was bigger and nicer than the rest of our rooms, with plenty of rooms for families to be with their loved ones as they were dying. We provide comfort measures for these patients, including pain control and relief of anxiety, nausea, and other symptoms that may arise related to terminal medical conditions. Our ultimate goal for these patients was to ease their way into their final days while their body transitioned from a state of life to death and to provide guidance and support to their grieving families. The patient that I was taking care of that night had suffered from a major stroke while in her basement. She was found by her family three days later, unconscious and lying on her back. She had multiple deep tissue ulcers extending from her tailbone to her upper back. She was quickly transferred to the hospital, and the doctors determined after many tests in the ICU that her brain had been deprived of oxygen for too long and she would not recover from the illness. Though she could not speak or move her limbs, I could tell from her vital signs and facial expressions that she was in a lot of pain. I did all I could to help her and her family through it. I spent a lot of time in her room checking on her, turning her from side to side to relieve the pressure off of her back, giving her medications for her pain, anxiety, and air hunger. I frequently repositioned her so that she could breathe easier and coached her family to talk to her and hold her hands. Towards the end of my shift, I heard her daughter tell her, Mom, we're all going to be okay. We love you so much, but it's time for you to go. I don't want to see you in this pain any longer. I think that's what she was waiting to hear. I could tell that she was getting closer by the way she was breathing, but I could also tell that she was much more comfortable, which was reassuring to both me and her family. After I went home that night, I had a dream in which my soul left my body. My soul rose from my bed, and when I looked back at my bed, I could see my body sleeping next to my wife. As I floated through the roof of my house, I could see the trees around my house and the houses of the surrounding area. I then looked up towards the direction I was flying and noticed a beautiful star in the distant night sky. It was a deep golden color that shapelessly flowed like silk. As I approached it, I realized not from its physical appearance, but from feeling that this star was the patient that I had been taking care of the night before. At that moment, my soul surged forward and embraced the star, and I could feel the emotions of the patient as if they were my own. I felt her anxiety and fear rise as she realized that she was dead, a deep sadness as if she was longing for her lost, li- her, her lost life. I then felt her feelings turn towards me. A feeling of gratitude flushed over me as she thanked me for helping her through her pain. The gratitude then transformed into a triumphant feeling of acceptance of death. Then all of a sudden, a great golden mass of fierce light filled the entire night sky. It was the brightest light I had ever seen. It emitted an intense feeling of warmth and the deepest feeling of pure love. 
As we ended our embrace, she entered the light and instantly I woke up in my bed. I looked at my watch and saw that it was 2.14 in the morning. At that time, I thought it was just a very pleasant dream. I had no idea what I had just experienced. I did not realize the true power of the dream until a couple of days later when my weekend was over and I went back to work. Curious as to what happened to the patient that I had taken care of, I asked the nurse that I had given a report to what happened. She said that the patient comfortably died at exactly 2.14 a.m. This is the experience that led me to seek out shows like yours, and I'm excited to hear what you guys think of it. I appreciate all that you guys do. Keep up the great work. Mike. Well, Mike, we get lots of stories where people think they just had a dream and then it ends up relating to real life but they find out later like finding Mm -hmm. out that you woke up right at 214 which was the time that the patient passed away so that is what leads me to believe that it's paranormal and it you know it's more than just a dream yeah uh, if there had been no correlation in my opinion this is how I am with that sort of stuff to the real world Mm -hmm. whether it be a waking up at 214 that's that's pretty good. I mean, that's, you know, that's pretty well correlated to what happened there on the exact day, exact time. You had the feelings, you had the thoughts of that specific person. It wasn't just like, well, that's a wacky dream. I wonder what that's about. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's all connected. Yeah. What gets me is sometimes when we have the stories of like, and that's the dream. <laughs> and yeah. there's like nothing to connect it. Right. You know, and, and I get vivid dreaming. That 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 happens. But I think sometimes you, you need somewhat of a connection because our mind can do a lot of crazy things, you know, as far as, like, really making you believe things. I mean, do you think every time we, we dream about a deceased loved one, for example, that we're actually communicating with them? Or is it... How do you, how do you judge the difference, in, in your opinion? In my opinion? Yeah. I think if you have something that later on kind of confirms either a message that was given mm-hmm. or you know if they I don't know if, if you're having like a really trying time and it seems like they come to comfort you sure you know that's more than just dreaming about when you were a child at grandma's house sure so that's the distinction I have I mean I have all kinds of wacky dreams mm-hmm. and some make sense later and then some never do and I just write them off and those are the ones that I can rem- remember that's something I thought of the other day there's a lot of times that I remember having a dream but I cannot tell you what I dreamt about sure. like the next day yeah that, us- that's all the time for me right but usually if it's something where I believe it's actually more than a dream mm-hmm then I can remember that, plain as day. Really? Yeah, it's like I get to keep those memories, but if it was just garbage, then no, it does, it goes away. Do you think you've ever been visited by a dead person in your dreams? Love, I, I don't want to say loved one, because it doesn't have to be a loved one, but anyone in general. I do, and I've talked about it on the show before. Do you want me to talk about it again? Give me a quick synopsis, like the 60-second version. I was going through a very difficult time. I had a loved one, a very close family member that was in the hospital, mm-hmm. and I had a what I thought was just a dream ah. of my great-grandmother okay, I remember this. Yep. coming, yep. and um, I remember her sitting on my bed and stroking my hair and mm-hmm. telling me everything was going to be fine, that he was going to pull through, and it was going to be fine. Sure. And it, it did. It worked out just that way. And it made sense because um, 
this this relative that came to me in my dream was a blood relative of the person that I was really upset and worried about. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. I mean, something like that, okay, I would go with that as being legitimate because you're probably not even like really thinking about that person at that time. No, not at all. For them to show up in the dream, you know. That, and I can still remember that as plain as day, but sure. whatever I dreamt about last night, that's gone. I have no idea what it was. I had flying chimpanzees. Really? They were eating Taco Bell. Okay. It was great. We were they they brought back the what's the taco that's uh, the the crunch wrap is that what it is with the cheese and the I'm sorry I'm just not up on my Taco Bell menu. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. I do love the Taco Bell menu though. I know you do. There was one that they had back in the '80s, and I've never they have never brought this back since. And I wonder if any. It's funny because whenever I bring up really obscure things, our listeners do tend to remember them, or at least two of them do. Okay. <laughs> so here you go. Anyone remember this? Um, okay, I'll say two things for the Taco Bell menu. Uh, there was one called the Bacon Cheeseburger Burrito. And I'm normally not about bacon cheeseburger, anything other than if it is a bacon cheeseburger. Mm-hmm. Like bacon cheeseburger pizza, I think is probably a bad idea. And this one was like when I was like, I don't know. But my dad had me try it once, and I was like eight. Uh-huh. So this would have been like 1990-ish. Okay. And uh, they had like some sort of special sauce on there, and it was delicious. I don't know whatever happened to it. It went away. It was a special thing back then. And there was another thing they had back in those days called Cinnamon Crispas. Okay. Remember Cinnamon Crispas? This is before they had the uh, the twisty things. And they were just big chips. Uh, they were essentially like fried tortillas with cinnamon and sugar on. It was giant cinnamon sugar chips. I remember those. Oh, they were the best. I remember those, and I was so mad when they just went to the little twisty yes, things. Yes, I was too, because the Cinnamon Crispas were a hundred times better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I miss those more than anything. Okay. The Bell Beefer, I'm fine that that's gone. That was a, a bad <laughs> choice for them. Um, but uh, anyhow, on with the show. And now on with the countdown. Number 20. This one comes into us from Dawn. Dawn writes in, Dear Casey. Hi, this is Dawn. Okay, can you break character and read the story? <laughs> I did try calling in last week, but I'll, I keep, uh, kept stumbling over my words and leaving out details. I've never been a good speaker. Another reason why it's hard for me to call in is because when I discuss my experiences, I always feel like something becomes drawn to me, or perhaps it uh, heightens my awareness. I'm not sure. Anyway, I'll get on with a story that I've uh, wanted to share. It tops everything that I've experienced, and the memories still haunt me. About five years ago, I moved from Arizona to live with a friend in southern Michigan. I won't disclose her real name, so instead, I'll name her Erica. She lives in a very small village just outside of Sturgis. It was my first time being in such an area, as I was raised in a newer area and more populated city, so this was all very new but exciting for me. Erica lives with her mother and stepdad in a 100-year-old house. It used to be a small factory of some sort and has no insulation, so the summers were very hot, while the winters were horribly frigid inside the house. Before moving away to live with her, Erica did mention another problem that came along with their home. She claimed there was the ghost of an old lady, and to describe this spirit as kind would have been very misleading. Erica claimed that the very first night that she had spent in the house, she was alone. Everyone else was gone. 
I'd forgotten where to where to, but I do know that there was no one there but her. She was asleep in the smallest of the four rooms upstairs. It used to be a closet back when the house was a factory, but the size is decent enough to fit a small bed and a couple pieces of furniture. This room they painted and called the blue room with the yellow room across the hall and then the purple room further down the hallway with the green room across from that. Erica said that night she was sleeping just fine until suddenly she was woken up from a sharp, sudden sound of a woman's scream. Looking over in shock, she saw an elderly tall woman with ratty hair glaring down and screaming at her with such anger and hatred. Hearing this story, I was surprised as a shiver ran up my spine. I then asked what happened, and Erica explained she put the blanket over her head and curled away from the ghost to wait for it to go away so she could fall asleep. Personally, I don't understand how anyone can just use their covers as a shield and manage to fall asleep after such an experience. If I woke up to such a sight, I'd powerhouse it through the rest of the night on lots of coffee mixed with paranoia, vowing to never sleep again until eventually passing out once my mind has had too much. I cannot take the thought of something appearing in my face and scaring the hell out of me, so hearing this story, I was a bit hesitant on traveling to live with her. Eventually, I did find myself there. After a 55-hour Greyhound trip, I was beyond exhausted and ready to relax, so the idea of the house being haunted was nothing but a small fleck in the corner of my mind. Outside was beautiful, with more trees than I was used to, and their property stretching out in the back, where a berry farm was, and then further back into a wooded area. Being distracted from this new environment, I walked into the house, ready to explore until it hit me. A heavy, non-welcoming feeling crept up on me out of nowhere, as if someone was waiting for my arrival. I then reminded myself of the old woman, and it wasn't until then I began asking Erica of anything else that she experienced during her time there. She said the basement felt like the safest room of the house for her, which is odd to believe, but I tested this theory and went down to the old and darkest area of the house with her. There was one bulb to light up the small area. There was chopped wood scattered all around, while cobwebs dangled above our heads, but no joke, I did feel much better being down there for some reason. Throughout my stay there, I mostly felt the eyes of someone watching me. There were occasions where one of us would look to the other as they slept and see a dark shadow over them. I always felt a heavy energy pushing at me when I would get to the top of the stairs and walk down the hall to get to the green room where Erica and I shared a bed since it was large and I personally did not feel comfortable sleeping alone. Her sister, we'll call her Lisa, explained two experiences she had in the house when she lived there before moving away. The blue room had eventually become her room and just like everyone else, she did not get good vibes from there. One time, she was lying on her bed, talking to her friend on the phone, when suddenly a heavily or heavy weight pushed down on her. She couldn't move or make a sound, and her hands were pushed and trapped above her head on the bed as she continued to hold the phone in a tightened grasp. Even though she was unable to scream or do anything at all, her friend claimed to hear a heavier voice that was not Lisa's, but it was too distorted to make out the words. Soon after she was released, and with panic, she fled her room for the rest of the day. 
The next experience was in the hallway, exactly where I was getting those horrible and negative feelings. One day, Lisa got to the top of the stairs and was about to go to her room, but paused in fear as she could feel someone towering over her. She didn't see anyone as she was too terrified to look back, but instead ran down the hall to the purple room where she said it seemed to be the safest room of the house for her. With the feeling of someone chasing her, Lisa hurried into the room and shut the door with relief once the heavy feeling seemed to stay in the hall. After a moment, she then took off her glasses to lower the risk of shock of what what she might see and opened the door to peek out. She claimed to see the blurry image of a tall elderly woman standing at the top of the stairs and even though her eyesight was limited from the ambience of her glasses or the absence of her glasses she could still make out the hateful piercing glare of the entity there was a lot of depression in the house i was focused on cheering up erica and being positive uh, for many days i tried to ignore the horrible feelings the house gave me and even went as far as getting up just to open her bedroom door and hurry down the hallway to go downstairs i figured that i rather uh, beast through a ghost waiting to scare the crap out of me rather than be caught off guard sounds silly but it helped I'll stop there, but it isn't the end of my story. If you want to hear more, I'll gladly write in again with a second part. I have my own experiences since whatever is in that house soon began to show me how unhappy it was that I was there. Thank you so much for all the two of you do. I had originally began to listen to your podcast for entertainment, but now it's become something more as these episodes have taught me many things as well as cleared up many questions and experiences I've had. I want to hear more, especially if it explains more about why this lady's mean, <laughs> this old lady. That's crazy. It's interesting. I mean, it's almost like, uh, it's like perpetual seasonal depression in the house, you know, because like, yeah. you, you, I, I totally get that. And I get that too, with just seasons and this time of year and that sort of stuff. But uh, with uh, something like that, it's like, it's always there. There's something constantly feeling a draining feeling within that house. Yeah, you go in the house. I mean, it could be nice outside, and you go in the house, and it just, ugh. Yeah. And I, I get her, like, trying to get pumped up and trying to mm-hmm. do whatever she can to to try and mentally overcome that. That's probably why I doesn't like her. Could be. Because it knows that she's has the knowledge to try and go over it. Well, that, and she's trying to keep her friend Erica yeah. positive and probably somewhat others yeah. in the house. And that's, yeah, that's that, probably what's making her mad. Exactly. I would love to hear more. Please, please, please uh, do write back in and share more of that story. Of course, if you have a ghost story, you can write it on our website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Our phone number is 855-853-4802. Let's go to Chris in Chattanooga. Hi. Uh, I listen to you guys every day. I'm sorry. My name is Chris. I'm from the Chattanooga area. I know you have, we have some callers from there, but the story, it's just short and simple. Um, so I'm at the graveyard one day visiting my grandpa's grave. He died about a year ago. So I'm looking, I'm just there looking at his tombstone, just collecting some thoughts, just looking around. When I look to the, out of the corner of my eye, I can see somebody standing next to me. <clears throat> Uh, I look up, and it's a guy who looks like he's about 28 years of age. He looks like he's about my age. And me being the nice guy I am, I said, uh, hi. And he's like, 
your grandpa was an amazing man. And I thought it was a little weird. I didn't know my grandpa had friends. I've only seen him hang out with the family since I've been born, man. But like, uh, me being the nice guy, I said, thank you. How do you know him? Uh, His response was military. I thought it was a little odd considering my grandpa was 80 and this guy looked like he was about my age, but I didn't question it. So I just, uh, I looked back down. I'm sorry if I sound out of breath. It's just, it's, it's, it's really weird thinking about it. But I looked back down at the tombstone for a couple minutes and I'm just thinking. And then I looked again to my left and the guy's gone. I look around, I do a 360. Uh, the, the guy's gone. And I'm not going to say it's paranormal because there's a lot of trees and bushes around, but he definitely disappeared pretty fast. So I decided it was time to leave. <clears throat> so I'm at my family's the next day and we're just looking at photo albums because, I don't know, we're just spending time together. And I, we come across a couple military photos, and you're probably, you probably know where this is going. There's this one photo that catches my eye instantly. I've never noticed a photo before. <clears throat> it's my grandpa when he was in, in the military, and I kid you not, uh, the guy in the photo with him, uh, I swear was the guy that was standing right next to me at the tombstone. Uh, I thought it was weird. He was wearing like a military uniform. It was identical. I just, my heart was beating. I had a lump in my throat. And I didn't tell the family or nothing. But what's even weirder is there was actually a note, like a piece of paper under that picture. Uh, and apparently the guy's name was Chad. And it said that he had died in the military. Uh, I believe it said it was 1949. I actually don't want to go back and look at the photo because it, it gives me the creep to do it. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, it's, it was a guy in the photo, man. And it's definitely with a weird experience. I'm not saying it's paranormal, but I know what I saw. Um, and I just, I just had to tell that to somebody. I know it's not a scary story or the most entertaining story, but I had to get that off my chest. I can't tell, I feel like I can't tell my family and friends, but, and then in a good way, it's kind of comforting too. So I've been back there a few times and I've never encountered anything strange. I've never encountered uh, him again. I've actually tried to do some research. I've never been able to find any research on the dude, but we do have the photo. And so, yeah, that was my story right there. That's my first I guess that's probably the weirdest thing that's ever happened happened to me. But, well, anyways, I love you guys' show. And, you know, I hope you never stop making episodes. Uh, thank you. Thank you for uh, calling in and sharing your story with us. So, yeah, not a scary story, but a great story. And I know you said twice you don't know if it's paranormal or not, but I'm going to venture to say <laughs> that it is. Yeah, it's pretty paranormal. Um it, 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 not all ghost stories need to be scary. I mean, and, and I could just tell. You know, we get a lot of calls on this show, mm-hmm. and you know, a lot, a lot of them sound pretty convicted. Like this is, you know, this has really happened to this person. They believe it happened to them. He's like at the, and you could probably put a meter on all of them. It's like, how convinced do you think this person is that this actually happened to uh-huh. them? I'd say a majority fall between eighty to a hundred percent. A majority of them. Right. A lot of them pretty much in the 90% area. Um, or this one, he was 100%. Yeah. You could just feel it in his voice. Like, this happened, guys. I don't know what it was. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Right. And, I, you know, I hate that you, you can't talk to your family about it because they might be able to tell you more about who that was. Because chances are, if it was somebody that thought that fondly of your grandfather the feeling was probably mutual and i bet you know somebody in the family would know more about who he was and Mm -hmm. and everything and 
you know, not that it makes a difference because you saw him, whether or not you know more about him. It's just that level of curiosity is yeah. going to be there. It's pretty cool that he's the the ghost of of the buddy is visiting his buddy. I thought so. Yeah, you know, that's interesting. Um, so even in death, that I mean, obviously, it's this very strong bond in life sure. for folks who've gone through that. Uh, but uh, even in death, it just shows it continues to endure. So, very cool story. Thank you for uh, for sharing that with us. Our number, of course, as you know, 855-853-4802. If you'd like to help keep our show on the air, well, become an EPP. Sign up on the website, Real Ghost Stories Online. You get bonus episodes for doing so. And the satisfaction of knowing that uh, you're keeping the show alive. Uh, Phil in Houston. Let's go there. Hi. Hey, Tony. Hey, Jenny. Uh, this is Phil from Houston. I've called in recently uh, a couple of times a story about uh, my my children and they're talking to ghosts in my apartment. But uh, other than that, I uh, recently got this job about like three months ago at this place called the Spaghetti Warehouse. And I, I'm just, you know, a Houston native, but I've never heard about this place. Just simply looking for work. When I got on there, they told me that it was haunted and they showed me all these pictures and stuff. And um, long story short, let me get to my story. One night I was alone and uh, I'm washing the dishes. This is about like, uh, I'd say about eight or night. You know, it's me, it's another co-worker, but he's in the dining area sweeping and I'm, I'm washing the dishes in the back, you know, and I get, go to call his name. Um, I don't know, I just say his name. I go, I go, Alex, hey Alex, where are you? Alex, come help me with this. Come help me with the back and get up these dishes so we both can leave on time. Because if I wasn't done, he couldn't leave. And if he wasn't done, I couldn't leave. So we would help each other out as a common thing. And so I walk to the front to look for him, but I don't see him. Nowhere in sight. I don't see him anywhere. But I see this gentleman, and he's just sitting down. And I'm like, what the hell? And I'm like, uh, excuse me, sir. Uh, we're closed, but I'm really thinking in my head, how did you get in here? And God doesn't say nothing, doesn't look at me, doesn't do nothing. He's just sitting there. And I go turn around because I hear some shuffling in the back. Alex is back there. There's two ways into the kitchen. Actually, I take the back. There's three ways into the kitchen. So he went through the side all the way around. And I'm like, hey, Alex, hey, there's a guy in the front. And he laughed at me. And I went back up there to show him. And when the guy was gone, and he told me that I seen the the figure that is that's local, that normally is seen, but most of the time he's seen he's seen at like different times, but most of the time he's seen he's seen eating with customers. Man, like for real, it is crazy, bro. Uh, I still work there. I don't know. I'm actually looking for a job right now to quit because <laughs> I can't keep doing this, and um, that's really my only experience, other than just hearing things. You know, say like footsteps or like I might hear dishes rattling, but I know dishes are put away. Um, it's kind of crazy, but you know, not really too uh, scary and nothing like that. But uh, yeah, uh, Jenny, Tony, Google it. It's the Spaghetti Warehouse in Houston, Texas. And uh, yeah, it's a couple of stories I got from some coworkers I heard, but uh, I, don't, I hope I wasn't too long. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you for uh, calling in, Phil. Did you Google it? Oh, yeah. And? Um, Phil, I think you've won the jackpot for paranormal places to work. Really? I did not... 
but this is also listed as one of the top 10 haunted places in Texas. So we have these themes that like randomly occur on the, and it's always it's happened before even you were on the show. I would, yeah. I would make note of this. I'm like, this is so odd. We always I, have these themes yeah. that occur. And I did not plan this. It's not because I'm from Texas that I planned this. This just happened. Yeah. Um, have you ever eaten at a spaghetti warehouse, Tony? No, I haven't. We have a spooky abandoned one here in Wichita. Okay. Spaghetti Warehouse is kind of a, a, a niche, okay? The thing about it is they go in and they buy old warehouses in, you know, the older districts of town. Sure. And they convert them into a restaurant. They all have, like, a trolley car or, or electric, you know, like, people mover, mover car. I don't know really what you call it. Kind of like at Pullman's. Okay. Within the restaurant. And the thing is... A lot of these will stay open for a little while and then they'll close. And it's not so much because the business is having trouble. It's for one, it's really expensive to operate these old warehouses. Yeah. And two, there's a tendency for things to happen where people don't want to go there anymore. Okay. Being that they're in these old warehouses. Are you saying that that's what happened to the historic spaghetti warehouse that's just abandoned for the last 10 years in Wichita, Kansas? I don't know the history of that building, but you can Google all the locations and it tells you how old the building is, what it was originally used for, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Most of these are late 1800s, very early 1900s. It's like the cursed spaghetti. That's what... And there's a longer list of closed ones than there is open ones. Yeah. But top of the list as far as weird things that happen is the one at the corner of Commerce and Travers in Houston, Texas. All right. So, Paul, sorry about that, but I'd keep looking for a different place to work if you don't want to see phantom ghosts or phantom uh, guests, I should say. Interesting. Well, I mean, the thing is a lot of these warehouses are, I mean, I know the one in our city is a very old building. Yeah. Um, And if you just look at reality, I'm not trying to be gruesome or anything, but um, you look at the reality of building that's, you know, roughly 100, 100, you know, 25 years old, uh, you know, OSHA standards weren't exactly uh, intact uh, for a a good deal of time that these factories, in fact, probably the whole time, most of these factories were actually factories and not just sitting empty or converted into something else. Uh, So they're probably was a lot of undocumented death, mm-hmm. uh, injury, tragedy within these buildings. As is the case specifically with yeah. Houston. So Quite a few people yeah. died in that warehouse. And then people go there and have their spaghetti. <laughs> hey, you know... You was can, the food good? Um... I won't say that it was bad. I'm not but trying it, to make this into an ad for Spaghetti Warehouse because they they've not paid us to be on this show. It was not my favorite Italian. Okay. Um, but I liked going in the building. It that was a was, neat experience. Yeah, that was say. the draw for okay. it. Draw of it for me. I'm really curious about the one here in town, just because it's it was a restaurant. It was obviously remodeled. Were you ever in the one? In, no, okay. I never got to go there. But the one here in in Wichita, and it's interesting because it's in a very kind of a sought after district mm-hmm. um, and of all the buildings I mean there's been a lot of turnover in that part of, of our city here in Wichita believe it or not it's actually a fairly large city for those of you who have not been here that's about 600,000 plus people um, and this is kind of like your your warehouse district of the city um, it's a f- prime real estate it is good parking in that area good everything and since I've lived here, this place has not been open. I think it closed like just before I got here. Mm-hmm. Um, so like eight, nine years ago. 
and it still sits completely vacant. And I, it kind of baffles me as to why has nothing else ever gone into this already remodeled building. I mean, it's probably fairly turnkey for a restaurant to go in there. Well, maybe eight years ago. It's well, sure. Now, it, now for... it's it's probably falling apart. Well, and the thing is, too, they built a giant arena where in Wichita, if you have a major concert yeah. come in, you go to this arena down in the old part it's of town. It's prime for that. It is. It's prime for that or even leveling it for a parking garage. Not that I'm saying I'm yeah. for that, but there's a lot of reasons there's to... options. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons to go after that piece of property, but nobody wants to touch it. I don't get it. I... I that's something to look into, I think, a little bit more. You want me to? Yes, I would. Okay. I'd like to see if there's any more story behind that. It still says Spaghetti Warehouse. It on does. The side. Well, they still there's even like signs for parking. There's like signs by the road for it's it's bizarre. It's like they took off really fast. It does. It looks like they vacated the premises and just shut the doors one day and never came back in. It's an Amityville spaghetti. <laughs> God, Amityville spaghetti. That's what I should name the episode. Okay. Uh, Peyton, Oklahoma. Hi. Hey guys, this is Peyton from Edmond, Oklahoma. I've called before and I was really nervous during my last one, but I'm calling to recount a tale that happened to me and my cousin when I was, I would say I couldn't have been older than five. And I remember it so well because of how much it scared me. And what had happened was me and my cousin, we had been playing outside near my grandma's 7th Street home. Uh, it had a koi, goldfish, whatever you want to throw into it, little pond in the backyard next to their garden. And it wasn't too deep. It, it was deeper than both of us could get to as toddlers. But... We were playing around it, playing Power Rangers or something like that. And I felt this cold gust of air push past me. And I was confused as it pushed past because it was a really warm summer day. And as it pushed past me, my cousin uh, was pushed into the water and my cousin couldn't swim at that time and I was too little to do anything for him and as he I watched his body get physically shoved into this water and I heard this sound I couldn't possibly understand it at the time it took years of realization to figure out what it actually was. And it was this laughing gurgle. And I screamed for help. And I got my uh, uncle. He, uh, he came and jumped into the, the little pond and pulled my cousin out. Well, shortly after, we were staying the night because it was a custom that we could do whenever we would come over to my grandma's, we would stay the night. Well, there was a playroom that used to be my mother's and my aunt's room upstairs. And in this upstairs 
room, it was there was a laundry chute, and me and my cousin would play and push pennies down it and stuff like that. Well, we had been downstairs at the time in my grandmother's room watching TV with everybody, and somebody had been pushing pennies down this laundry chute, and my uncle thought it was me and my cousin who normally would do that. But this time, we didn't. And he looked up, and a penny fell down his throat, and he, we had to take him to an emergency room to get it cut out. And it scared the living bejesus out of us. Well, shortly thereafter, we finally get back to the house, and the place that me and my mother were staying was my grand, my great grandmother's old room downstairs. And right next to that stairs, or right next to the room, was her stairs to get up to our playroom. Well, all of a sudden, as we, as I'm drifting off to sleep, I felt something touching on my toes. And I was like, freaked out because my mother was asleep next to me and I was still up playing cars or bikes or something to that effect. And I felt my toes being tickled. And then it felt like I got scratched on my toes. And I yelped and I pulled my feet back and there was nothing there. Well, within seconds of that happening, I heard a, the best way I could put it is like a goat's ba that did a echo running up the stairs. And then there were sounds of like cloven hooves. And I got out of bed and I looked up and all I could see was this furry backside the best way to put it is like a fawn like the lion which in the wardrobe that guy that was a fawn he had the backwards legs and I ran back to my mom and I woke her up and I told her what I saw she then asked me how how I knew what that was and I was like because it was here mommy Mommy, it was right here. I know it. I saw it. And it had been not only tormenting me from a time when I was littler, but it had been within the family for generations. Uh, apparently had been attached to, we would say, my grandmother because it had been within her family for since she was a teenager. And it had attacked my mother, my uncle, and my aunt. All of them have stories which I am going to get so I can share more with you guys. But I do love the show. And that's all that I have for this tale right now. I hope you guys have a good one. See ya. 
Thanks, Peyton, for uh, calling in and sharing your story with us. It's always disturbing when you hear something of the effect of, and it sounded like hooves. That, or it's been following our family for generations. Yeah, that's that's one of those things where you just... To, to say you feel bad for the family is an understatement. Yeah. You know, it's like, because it's like, how do you, how, what do you do? How do you get rid it's of it? It's almost like a, a curse that needs to be broken. How do you get it to go away? Yeah. And, and I think your guess is just as, as good as mine there. Thank you for, um, for sharing the story. Uh, nonetheless, we really do appreciate that. Our number is 855-853-4802 to share your real ghost story with us. If you like the show, please consider supporting it, becoming an EPP, Extra Podcast Person in Exchange. We'll give you a bonus episode every single week. It's only five bucks a month. And uh, you also get access to all of our past EPP episodes, which uh, totals about 26 right now. So uh, you get a lot of free stuff right there uh, just for uh, considering supporting the show. We uh, really do appreciate that. Uh, Our EPPs are really what financially keeps us on the air. It's kind of a a double-edged sword. The bigger we uh, we get as far as audience goes, the more expensive it gets to produce the show. So the more EPPs we need. So uh, please consider supporting us, keeping us on the air. Uh, We love doing the show, and we'd love to keep doing it. We can only do it with your support, so please uh, sign up on the website to be an EPP, realghoststoriesonline.com. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.